Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Digitalization Tech Talks. My name is Don Mack. Jonas Norinder and I will be your hosts on today's show. Let's get right into today's topic. We've covered several digitalization topics to date that rely on and maybe even assume that communications are in place to the sensors in the field. Attempting to implement digitalization without having this would be equivalent to building a house without a solid foundation. Yes, so let's have a look, a deeper look at this foundation in today's episodes. We will be focusing on various digitalization-ready communication protocols that most, if not all, digitalization projects rely on to transfer relevant data as well as information across enterprises or companies. It'll be an exciting episode, and I look forward to learning from today's guests. Me too, Jonas. And speaking of our guest, his name is Ronald Nyson. Ronald's a process automation technical consultant with Siemens, and he has over 30 years of automation experience, and this includes expertise in communications with field devices. Ronald, welcome to the show. We're looking forward to today's conversation. Thank you, Don. I'm excited to discuss field bus digitalization because there are multiple innovations in that layer of process automation that our listeners will be interested in. That's great. So I guess to get started, let's set the stage. In terms of digitalization, what comprises field communications? So field communication and and digitalization uh, portray themselves in multiple areas. First of all, the bandwidth of communication has been increased, so more data can be sent back and forward to field devices. Microprocessors have become cheaper, so we can put more intelligence in field devices. The protocols have evolved. Uh, Think about Provinet, OPC UA, and others. Uh, Bluetooth and apps allow users not having to go to the instrument, but be able to uh, interact with it with a smartphone or tablet kind of device from a distance. And then, of course, there are now also emerging field devices that have artificial intelligence in them. Cloud connectivity brings data from them seamlessly to places where you can do very good statistical analysis and the like. Uh, an example is Siemens IQ, a whole portfolio of cloud-based uh, instrumentation tools. Mm-hmm. And then uh, their uh, communication and configuration standards have evolved. EDD and FTTDTM have merged into FDI and is now a common global standard for instrument configuration that all vendors have embraced. So uh, then, and last but not least, but the, the 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 low-cost instrumentation that we now see emerge in the discrete I.O. link domain is also showing that that there's more intelligence being connected to our systems every day. So uh, I'm always getting a little out of breath listening to that. So many options to keep track of for our listeners. Uh, No wonder that, you know, sometimes they may need help to figure out what works for their specific situation. This must create some challenges for the end users, I would assume. Could you touch on a few of those? Yeah, a few of the things that come with all these innovations are, of course, the, the, the things that drive them, you know, uh, because sometimes the microprocessors are not even cheap enough to allow very low-cost instrumentation to be uh, connected, and answers to that are, for instance, IO-Link or others. Uh, intrinsic safe infrastructure is a, is a topic all by itself, so connecting instrumentation in, in uh, explosion-hazardous environments still is a very complicated matter and requires several pieces of equipment that are very dedicated to that purpose. Uh, The robustness, you of course want to install something that lasts for 20 years or 30 years on your installation. Uh, Power, powering of the instruments, still they still need to be powered and batteries are not uh, strong enough to allow that to happen without a cable. 
And then uh, you see a login into protocols and the compatibility of protocols, both for the asset management systems that people deploy as the configuration tools. So, so that is a bit of a, a challenge as well. A lot of challenges too. Huh. So what should end users do, would you say? Are there any specific strategies or frameworks they could uh, employ to help them out? So with all these new things in the field emerging and, and the field being uh, an installation that lasts many years, users have different options. They can, of course, be conservative, see what happens, and then wait till uh, the other, uh, you know, 80% of the market has already embraced something and then step on board. But that, of course, has the disadvantage that you might not be able to take uh, information from your field to the cloud uh, soon. People in your organization that are used in, used in uh, using tablets and phones to configure things, they may say, why do I have to walk up to an instrument to, to, to push some buttons there? So, so you, you, you miss that opportunity of innovation. Of course, you can also jump on the bandwagon and say, I'm just going to buy the newest from the newest, and then you'll find some resistance being able to uh, adapt to that, and you might buy something that doesn't turn out to be the real good thing that you wanted to have for the next 10 years. So, so what, what I recommend people is to say, okay, let's, let's look at where the money is, where is the most uh, valuable instrument that I like to have, where's the critical process information that my process engineers need, and then, uh, with caution, invest in innovating in those areas so that you serve both, uh, so you, you retain your continuity and your robustness, but you give openness to people that want to take advantage of these new technologies. So, Rao, that's um, some, some good uh, thoughts about where companies may sit. Um, so, I guess depending on where they are in the spectrum, we, we have a, a lot of end users listening to the podcast, and, and they might be at different parts there, um, either just starting a digital transformation or kind of thinking about going down that path. Um, relative to, to taking the leap or staying where they are, do you have any suggestions on ways they might get started um, going down that path? Yeah, so... We all talk about digitalization, but in the end, it's about the people. And what we can do with the information that we draw from our process instrumentation in this particular example. If nobody does anything with it, it's useless. Okay. So you, you need to find somebody in your organization. Uh, I, I'm not that young anymore myself, but I would say probably a relatively young person, but it could also be an older person, that, that you identify as a champion, that you, that you charter with uh, exploring where, what opportunities there are and what would help your organization best. Now, once you have found that champion, that champion needs to educate themselves. They will carry their knowledge with them from their past, uh, from their education, but they, they would want to engage with vendors. And, and there are many, many new vendors in this whole domain that are emerging, that are delivering all kinds of different components and aspects around this. Uh, in cloud applications, in instruments themselves, in, in connectivity technologies, and, and so on. Yeah, it's getting a little crowded. It's actually pretty crowded. So they need to shake out what they what they what what are the most the yeah. ones that they want to focus on as well in that area. Then communicate with their peers, with their process engineers, with the operators in the plant, and find out what are the pain points. Where where can we make your life easier, or where can we produce more with this plant? And how can what do you think? You know, right. I always must think about this story about uh, the company that made toothpaste and that did this research how to increase their uh, toothpaste sale. And they had done big marketing studies, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that, and then they still had only some uh, some hot air statements. And then somebody who was working at the filling machine 
said, I know how we can sell more toothpaste. Because that person had figured out if we make the hole in the toothpaste bottle a little bit bigger, we're going to sell more immediately. And so they did it, and then they sold 20% more <laughs> the year after. So, so sometimes the people that are, are not expected uh, to have the answer might have the answer. And that might be the operator that is tired of, of, uh, of acknowledging a lot of alarms or, or, or uh, doesn't even acknowledge them at all anymore. Right, so yeah? you get a lot of input from different people yeah. around the organization. Exactly. Now, and when you have gotten understand that field, then you go check with your vendors again and see what what in your portfolio or in your technology basket helps me best to accomplish what these other uh, disciplines in my organization are going to take advantage of. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Very good. Now, those are definitely good points, uh, Ronald. Now, another important topic related to the discussion I think we need to cover, at least, you know, touch on is industrial wireless, uh, Wi-Fi, uh, such as 5G, for example. Like some of these technologies, they appear to promise the world, at least for 5G, once it's fully released. Where do you see uh, these technologies headed? Um, what's the future of them? What are we going to use them for? So, in the end, these are all transport layers. And if transport layers make life easier by not having to install cabling and things like that, then they are uh, very attractive uh, mechani mechanisms to, to innovate on top of. Yeah? So, one of the other transport layers that has been innovated has been, is the APL, the Advanced Physical Layer, which is basically Ethernet stretching out to the instrument, but still using uh, uh, I would almost say conventional cabling technology to establish the connection. Yeah. So once that has established itself, APL, Ethernet, and protocols have started to run on that, then I believe that, that people will start to wonder why does that Ethernet connection have to be, cannot not be wireless. Yeah. So that's the first, first we must get to Ethernet, like Provinet or, or in, in discrete and in process automation as well, have, have brought Ethernet to the market open Ethernet that customers can take advantage of, can put systems on from different vendors, and can start to run uh, probably even different protocols on top of. But the physical layer, the physical connection is then established. Once that's established, then you can start looking at wireless. Uh, wireless is already, 5G is particularly being explored in discrete, in, in well-defined environments like uh, enclosed buildings with AGVs, uh, automatic guided vehicles, and the like. It's very promising there. Uh, in, in process automation, we are typically talking about a bit, little bit less controlled environment where you have big bodies of steel, uh, steel frames, concrete uh, buildings sometimes that are used. And so the question is, can, can we, uh, in a robust way, deploy these kind of protocols, these kind of transport layers in, in that environment? Okay. I think that that will happen at some point. It looks promising, but it will take a little while, and and I believe that uh, that that uh, the the market needs to emerge. It needs to first embrace Ethernet all the way down to the instrument instrument, and then and then on top of that, they can start looking at the infrastructure like antennas, integrated circuits that that could serve these wireless technologies. It does sound like it might might be a little bit. Um not happening right away. There's kind of a progress and evolution, a process and evolution that has to happen. Yes. Yeah. There might there might be areas like in a tank farm that is open and where you can put in a 5G uh, device that communicates with 200 transmitters on your tanks. That that may be the first places that people will go to to explore those kind of capabilities. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, it's really a lot to think about um, that you've given us today from um, the different uh, aspects of digital field communications to all the challenges and how users might start going down that path. Really a lot to, uh, to think about and can consider to make sure you have this infrastructure in place you need for all the other digitalization capabilities you might be trying to employ. So, Ron, we really appreciate having you on the show today and giving us this, uh, this great overview of the importance of digitalization to the field and considerations. So thanks for sharing your, your knowledge with us. Uh, before we wrap things up, do you have any final comments? No, I really enjoyed sharing this, 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 this short overview of what's going on. If you, you can find this information online, and I know link to our podcast. There will be links that we provide to, to get there. So I hope the plant operators and other disciplines within our customers' plants that produce our day-to-day -day products uh, we'll, we'll start looking at that and start taking advantage of what is happening in the field instrumentation digitalization space. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing your knowledge. Um, and that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Digitalization Tech Talks. Uh, as always, if you have any questions about the topic, please feel free to email Ronald. His email address is in the show notes. Uh, and Jonas and I are also open to your comments, thoughts, or feedback on the show or topics for us to consider for future episodes. You can also find our contact information in the show notes, along with other important links, as Ronald just mentioned. We'd love to hear from you. If you liked what you heard today, help us spread the word by rating the show. And of course, make sure to subscribe to make sure you're in the loop when new episodes are released. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digitalization Tech Talks.